put yourself in the shoes of a security professional and, and being an imposter in that way. Gosh, you know, my employees are outside of my control. And so I'm not really sure what they're doing. I'm not really sure where they are, what they're using to access our corporate data. So yeah, that makes me a little nervous as a security or IT professional. Mobile workforces, cloud applications, and digitalization are changing every aspect of the modern enterprise. And with radical transformation come new business risks. Welcome to Hybrid Identity Protection, the premier podcast for cybersecurity pros charged with defending hybrid identity environments. Presented by Semperis, the pioneers of identity-driven cyber resilience for the hybrid enterprise. And now, here's your host, 15-time Microsoft MVP and Active Directory security expert, Sean Duby. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HIP Podcast. For today's podcast, I'm welcoming back Julie Smith, Executive Director of the Identity Defined Security Alliance. Hi, Julie. Hey, Sean. How you doing? Thanks for having me again. Again, that's right. So the reason uh, that we're talking today is that your organization has come out recently with your now annual research report, I guess, uh, called 2021 Trends in Securing Digital Identities. And certainly this year, I mean, I would think that this report should be especially interesting because it's reflecting, I think, the most turbulent year the world's experienced in a generation. And that feels weird to say that out loud, but it's truth for sure. Yeah, it it has definitely been an interesting year. And, and I kind of look at it as a dichotomy, right? So the bad is the challenges we had with the pandemic worldwide, and all of a sudden everything was shut down. We moved our entire lives online, whether it was working, going to school, just, you know, dealing with our our day-to-day personal lives. You know, the other side of it was, you'll see from our report, um, I think it gave identity its due in terms of really putting a, a spotlight on the importance of identity management and, and securing digital identities, more so than it ever has been. So uh, well, you could subtitle this report, Identity Gets Its Due. <laughs> exactly. That's kind of been the main focus of the Identity Defined Security Alliance for the last several years is to really focus on raising awareness um, about this important topic. And, you know, in, in the minds of security professionals, a major threat in terms of the security of an organization, the security of assets and data and systems, but also as an opportunity, you know, so instead of always looking at it with a, a negative lens, you know, we also want to look at it with a positive lens and that identity can certainly help with digital transformation initiatives and ease of use and access to resources that live in the cloud and places that uh, are not protected within a firewall. So I think, you know, identity's got security element to it for sure, as well as a user experience element. When you had a chance to see the results of this report and look it over, what jumped out at you? What are some of the key findings of this report that people will be really curious to hear about? Yeah. So before I jump into the findings, I want to go back a little bit on the history of the report. So you mentioned, Sean, that it's our second annual. The questions that ended up in this year's report were from a combination of uh, research reports that we've conducted in the past. So the state of identity, how security teams address risk, uh, was a report that we published in December of 2019. And it really focused on the organizational dynamics around managing security and identity as it relates to budgets and organizations and focus and strategy. 
so that was one research report that we brought some questions forward. And then the other one was the report that we did last year. Uh, and that was identity security work in progress. And that was really focused on you know, getting at breaches, uh, identity related breaches. So things that are tied back to a compromised credential. And that's really our focus uh, in this report, as well as how organizations are doing and implementing what we call identity defined security outcomes. And, and those are you know, sort of a very specific set of recommendations that we've made and they focus on bringing identity and security technologies together. So this was the culmination of kind of those two reports. So we mm -hmm. did want to kind of continue to focus on this organizational aspect in terms of, uh, you know, ownership of implementation and strategy by security teams. Um, and then we also, you know, wanted to continue to focus on, on breaches. So in terms of, you know, what jumped out, I don't think it was a surprise that 80% that of the organization said that, the shift to remote work increased the focus on identity security. You know, I think that's been in the headlines for quite some time. I think one of the things that that was sort of interesting in this whole remote work and what was the impact on identity security was that 83% of organizations reported that you know, due to that remote work, they saw an increase in the number of identities that they were managing. And so that that kind of jumped out because, you know, and one of our customer advisory board, Clint Maples, um, advisory board members thought, well, we didn't really hire anybody in the last year. But when you think about the number of devices that people, you know, maybe they're using their, uh, their personal computer, maybe they're using their daughter's iPad, now accessing, accessing corporate resources, has, a, has an impact on the number of identities. But then what I mentioned earlier with respect to we're all as individuals doing more online, we're ordering groceries, for example, we're ordering dinners, that kind of thing. And those organizations that are putting those services online when they maybe haven't before are now having to manage more identities. So I thought that was kind of a, an interesting result that came out of that whole topic around uh, how remote work had an impact on identity security. So you're saying it's sort of in, in at least two dimensions. One is that there are not just user identities, but also machine or device identities, number one. And number two, especially B2C, business to consumer identities. I, and that makes perfect sense has shot through the roof. Um, most, I think most of us probably didn't have a Kroger account on a Kroger website before 18 months ago. So, Right, right. It's true. And, you know, one of the other interesting things is the focus that, you know, different people put on our research. And I think that's one of the fun things about this is it's, it's data that's collected. And we, we surveyed, you know, 500 or so identity and security professionals at large companies, a thousand employees or more, uh, and put together this research report. And we pulled out what we thought was what the highlights were, but then different folks that have written about it in the last week since we published that report have put a lens on different things. And one journalist thought that the number of identities increase was really interesting. And another said, you know, that shift to remote workforce was really uh, an interesting item for them. And they wrote a lot about that. So it's kind of fun to see you know, this collection of data and everybody puts their different spin and perspective on it. I guess that's what research is all about. In that same section of the, all of this, one of the interesting results was a, there was a significant drop in confidence to keep employee identities secure. The confidence by security professionals that they're keeping employee identity secure dropped from 49% to 32% in the last year. 
yeah, put yourself in the shoes of a security professional and, and being an imposter in that way. Gosh, you know, my employees are outside of my control. And so I'm not really sure what they're doing. I'm not really sure where they are, what they're using to access our corporate data. So yeah, that makes me a little nervous as a security or IT professional. Your advisor, Clint Maples, used the Mike Tyson analogy saying everybody's strategy works until you get punched in the face and that the security teams got punched in the face this last year. So <laughs> I think we all can empathize with, uh, with someone that's uh, living and breathing identity security in the past year. Yeah. The scramble to, I mean, who would have thought these large organizations all of a sudden and organizations that had never been remote governmental organizations, whatever sudden, guess what? Everyone's got to be remote, figure it out. Right. Yeah. And you and I have been living in that world for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's interesting. And you know, the back to kind of what else was surprising in the, res, in the results of the, the research, you know, so more identities, the confidence dropped when it, when it came to employee identities uh, and securing those. But yet what we found was that the organizations reporting identity breaches stayed flat from year to year. So in last year, 79% of the organizations surveyed reported that they had had an identity-related breach, and we saw almost the identical result this year. So, you know, interesting, right? Yeah. So with all of this, this sort of disruption in our lives and scrambling to try and make sure the organization stays secure, we did not have more identity-related breaches in the last year than we did see the previous time period. I wonder if there is some aspect that people think having a ransomware attack didn't fall into the category of an identity-related breach. That's uh, it's really fascinating. Yeah, I think you know that we did ask the question and intentionally this year, and you know this is my perspective on it. Is I think of ransomware unless it's specifically tied in the case of Colonial. Uh, the colonial breach that we've pipeline breach that we've seen recently, unless it's specifically tied to a compromised identity as a path into the organization, I don't think most people think of ransomware as an identity related breach. Um, and it's just something that in my head, and and again, you know, not being an expert in this field or living and breathing the day to day of a of a security professional, ransomware to me ends up being sort of the end result of an identity related breach. And we did ask the question, you know, what was the impact on the organization of the identity related breach? So keeping that in mind, what was the impact? And we saw things like a malicious attack on systems or making them unavailable or degraded in some way. And ransomware was not high on that list. Again, kind of interesting. I think about consumer data being stolen, PIA data, et cetera. And yet that didn't even make the top couple of items in that, that list of what was the impact of that breach. So a very interesting observation, Julie, the, the, the conflation of ransomware with it being something, it being identity related. I was watching an Identiverse panel with Rob Reck, who is, who is a Ping Identity CISO, and uh, Alexander Weinert of Microsoft, Michael Benjamin of Lumen, and Alex Wood of Anschutz Group. And Alex Weinert said, make no mistake, SolarGate, the SolarWinds supply chain compromise, was not a malware attack. It was an identity attack. So um, maybe what we'll be seeing is more people realizing that these uh, these variety of attacks that are, 
we're seeing so many of them uh, do map back to identity or some kind of identity compromise. Yeah, I mean, Verizon data breach incident report fairly uh, consistently has said close to 80 percent of uh, data breaches are tied back to a compromised identity. So, yeah, I think it, putting together these questions is a is a bit of an art, a little bit of science. And and so I think, you know, hopefully we'll continue to evolve uh, this research and, and get those nuances and see if we can expose that you know, those nuances that that seem to happen between identity related breaches and just data breaches. Right. Yeah. What, what's the cause and what's the impact? Uh, so hopefully we'll continue to focus on those things. Well, and you had talked about um, the security outcomes, identity related security outcomes. And correct me if I'm wrong, but this is essentially pulling organizations to find out what progress they're making on improving their security posture. Do you have some interesting results out of that? Yeah, correct. And so what I will say around the outcomes, and and if you go to our website, you'll see a library of about 19 of them, idsalliance.org. Check that out. There's 19 security outcomes. And to be transparent, I will tell you that we pulled, I think it was probably eight or so, eight or nine of those outcomes as they existed last year. So we will continue, have continued to build and will continue to build on that library of outcomes. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of tedious if you're taking a survey to answer a question around 19 outcomes. So we did just pull a subset of those, which at the time we thought were probably the most um, the most interesting and the most important. So, you know, there was a little bit of method to the madness around what outcomes we did pull. But what we found that is that uh, about 70% of organizations have adopted identity related security outcomes. So our identity defined security outcomes only within the last two years. So there has been, you know, a focus on this, these outcomes and these ways of securing your organization. And 97% said they will make investments in those outcomes over the next two years. So, you know, hopefully if we look forward to what next year's report says, we'll see a drop in identity related breaches as opposed to flat or an increase um, just based on organizations making progress. So about six months, in other words, before COVID hit. And of course, you would imagine the combination of the risk associated with COVID and of course, the risk that we're seeing with ransomware right now only accelerates that initiative. So it'll be very interesting to see what shows up. I think it's interesting in the security outcomes, some of them very high up there was focused on privileged access and applying least privileged principles to privileged access account. Uh, that was at, I think, about 48% implemented. Uh, MFA for privileged accounts was at 47% completed, 36 in progress. But I have to say, my soapbox on this is MFA for privileged accounts is obviously critical. Um, but what's really needed is MFA for everybody. One of your security outcomes or one of your, your, I can't remember your, the, the, your predictions is the company's responding of what were their priorities for the next two years. Uh, privileged MFA was right up there, if not one of the top at 42%, but regular user MFA didn't even make the list. Yeah. And so that's going back to uh, what I mentioned earlier with this as a subset of the outcomes. And so if you go to our library today, you will see that we've added MFA for all users. I will tell you that the outcomes come 
from our technical working group, which are incredibly smart uh, product and um, solutions architects uh, that come from our member companies, of which we have 28. And that group comes together and creates creates these outcomes. And in our first pass, and, and certainly for the survey, we did not have one around all users. Um, implementing NMFA. And, you know, I think some of that came from just a lot of questions related to the friction associated mm-hmm. um, with having MFA. And, and there's things, you know, there's certainly mechanisms now where you can put second step, you know, step up authentication and second layers of, of authentication, whether it's based on device characteristics or user behavior or whatever. And, and some of that can be sort of adaptive in that there's risk scoring that's going on behind the scenes. So, the MFA for all the users did not make the original list that we did survey on. I think it's I think it is interesting that um, we did ask a question also using that same list. Um, if how many of those organizations believe that they might have prevented or minimized uh, the security breach by using some of those identity related security outcomes? And and one of the outcomes that popped to the top of the list was more regular access reviews. So staying on top of who has access to what at any given time kind of goes back again to the colonial pipeline breach that I mentioned earlier, where, you know, there's an orphan account that's floating around out there and had the access review taken place and found that that employee was no longer with the organization that certainly could have mitigated that breach. So I certainly think that, uh, you know, every organization is going to approach their uh, security posture and security policies differently. And hopefully we've given them a good library to pick and choose from and build out their roadmap. One of the last uh, major sections of your report is on the role of the CISO in the organization. Right. Yeah. So that was another other interesting area that came out of the research. And, and as I mentioned earlier, we pulled that question from the State of Identity Research Report, which was published in December 2019. And we asked the question a little bit differently. We didn't ask specifically about CISO ownership. We asked about security team. And at that time in 2019, what we found was uh, about 52%, 53%. Uh, of organizations said that the security team had a leadership role as it related to identities. We were very specific this time around and said, you know, the CISO has a leadership role. And in this one, we found that 87% of organizations have a leadership role with identities. Um, The CISO does. And so, you know, the, the question was more specific around, do they own strategy and implementation? Do they own strategy, but not implementation? Um, and so there was a good good discussion with Clint Maples today about that particular topic, which I thought was was pretty interesting in his perspective around uh, when he had the operational side, he felt like the security of his organization was uh, compromised. And so his uh, his belief was certainly that uh, CISO's owning strategy around identities was an absolute uh, must within organizations. I remember him virtually rubbing his hands going, all right, now I have the chance to implement all the stuff that I had intended to. But IT operations is hard. It's really hard. I think back to a uh, quote from a long a long time ago from a, a Microsoft director, or he was a VP named Brian Valentine, and showing his daughter around uh, his office and around a, a data center in Redmond. And his young daughter 
asked, so what do you do? He was stumped for a moment in a way to explain succinctly what he did. And then he turned through the window of the machine room there and he said, well, honey, my job is to keep the lights green. (laughs) which is really a pretty good summary of it operations absolutely well thank you julie very much thanks for sharing us this information again this report you can find if you go to idsalliance.org yeah definitely and look forward to seeing you soon thanks for joining us on the hybrid identity protection podcast with sean doobie Be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. Visit hipconf.com, that's H-I-P-C-O-N-F.com to learn about upcoming events, view expert presentations, and take part in the conversation.